Ready? So my name is Todd. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be with a microphone at a comedy club, I probably would have said, yeah, that sounds about right. And then if you would have said, yeah, except for you're going to be preaching on Sunday morning, I would have been like, wait, really? Um, I've come a long way in, in that amount of time. God is good, and um, so I'm glad to be here with you uh, this morning. Do we have a couple minutes to, I could do a little crowd little crowd work, maybe work out some material? Is that okay? Okay, we're at a comedy club. I'm going to do a couple real quick. Okay, things that sound good, things that sound good that aren't good at all, okay? So like waterboarding. You guys know what waterboarding is, right? <laughs> okay, that's awful. It's a terrible thing, but like, like hey bro, what would you do this weekend? Oh man, we went up to the lake. Yeah, we got a cooler, we got the boat out, we did some waterboarding all day long. Well, that sounds that sounds pretty pleasant, right? Another one is uh, boss man came in the other day and he he said, "Hey, we're gonna have to garnish your wages." I was like, what? Thank you. They're finally starting to recognize my work around here. Last time they garnished something was a plate at a restaurant. You know, a little something extra. You know, it's not a good thing. Well, I got one more. Okay, we're gonna do uh, salmonella. Uh, <laughs> What'd you guys do for dinner? Oh, we found this awesome sushi place, bro. It was so good, man. We got some spicy tuna rolls and edamame and some sake. And we got some salmonella rolls and it was so good. I'm going to change gears here a little bit. Well, I was checking a box, you know, so it's done. I don't have to do that ever again. Okay, so my name is Todd Curry. Uh, I've been in leadership up at the Grove Church so I guess, what do we call it, Ascending Church, uh, for the last three years. And um, I've been married to Allie. She's feeding the little one back there for 15 years, almost. And we have three boys. Keaton is seven, Deacon is six, and Wilson, the baby, is three and a half months old. So uh, we, got, we got a little guy at home again. We have to start over at zero. Um, so Stephen and Melissa are really special to our family. We love Stephen and Melissa. Um, I appreciate Stephen asking me to be here with you guys this morning. So we met them five years ago at the Grove Church downtown. Um, and then three years ago with Scott and Jamie Hyder, we planted the Grove in Liberty Hill. And then they had the itch to plant down here. And so it's just cool to be with you at Austin Chapel this morning. So the current sermon series finds us in Acts 2.42. Um, this is the model of the earliest church and um, the Fellowship of Believers, and gives us a summary of the activities of the earliest church. Notice I said earliest, because these guys didn't have like a New Testament tucked under their arms when they walked in like on a Sunday morning service. And they weren't even called Christians at the time. This is the earliest church, and this is just what, how, they, how they did it. So they had the apostles' teaching. So the guys that walked and talked and hung out with Jesus, they had that. That was their primary resource for learning how to, how to do this thing. And uh, so they, they had that. And a couple weeks ago, um, you guys talked about that. Um, fellowship with each other, breaking bread, eating together, and praying in house meetings. So those are the four things um, in the sermon series. And today we're going to talk about fellowship, um, what that means. So let's read through. I'm going to read Acts 2, 42 through 47, um, if, if you guys want to join along. So the, um, the fellowship of the believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, 
They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time here. Um, Lord, we just ask that you will speak to us, um, to our hearts, and help us learn more about fellowship, Lord, and how to do it right, and what you have to say about it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so um, the first thing you see here in this, in this that jumps out to me is they had everything in common. This is not an early church plug for communism or socialism. Um, but this is a voluntary act that these folks participated in. Um, they were compelled to do all of this stuff that we just read about. They just wanted to do it because it was a response to the salvation that they had. And they accepted and received it. And so they wanted to be a part of the team. So this word, uh, common, comes from the Greek word. And okay, I'm going to do the thing. The, the, it comes from the Greek. you know. But unfortunately, the English language doesn't have an adequate word to describe what, what this this is all about. Um, so it from, comes from uh, koinonia, which comes from koinos, and that means a deep and rich and fascinating approach to building community and teamwork. So in common, it doesn't quite land the airplane, I don't think. Um, but that word teamwork, that's the word that we're going to kind of focus on. That's what Life on Earth for Christ followers is all about. Uh, Stephen talks about this all the time. It's super important. We all have something in common, right? We all have a mutual friend. And if we love Jesus, we're all on the same team together. So several years ago, studies were conducted of former American POWs, prisoners of war. And they wanted to determine what methods were the most effective uh, to breaking these people's spirit down. And the findings revealed that they did not break down from uh, physical deprivation or torture nearly as much as solitary confinement. So attempts to get the prisoners divided in their attitudes, when they did this really well, not only would they do solitary confinement, but they would change the guards really uh, regularly so that the one person they could maybe have any kind of relationship with would keep moving along, and they couldn't connect at all. So it wasn't uh, faith in the country or these people's patriotism that, that motivated them, the cause for which they were fighting. It was the... It was the um, soldiers and their small military units that they drew the most strength from, the Band of Brothers stuff. Um, and so they drew the greatest strength from that, and when it was taken away, that was their greatest weakness, was these relationships that had formed. So not for which the, the country or the um, patriotism, but teammates. Teammates. So while we're on the topic of military and soldiers, I'm going to introduce... The title of today's talk, Navy SEAL Fellowship. Ten quotes from the United States Navy SEALs that we can apply to fellowship uh, with other believers. So let me pause really quick. I don't know where you guys come down with your politics on military and soldiers and war and all that stuff. But I kind of want to ask you to set that stuff aside, unless you love it. Uh, Maybe set it aside for today and think of it um, a little bit differently that... um, as believers and Christ followers, we're warriors in the Lord's army. We're warriors for Christ. So today, I'm taking the famous sayings from the United States Navy SEALs, and we're going to apply them to fellowship. And the reason I'm using the SEALs um, 
is they're my favorite example of a team working for a common goal when lives are at stake. They work together and they get the job done. I think we have the same job description. Lives are at stake. We've got to work together for a common goal to help other people find and follow Jesus. We've got to help each other out along the way, right? So Stephen recently preached uh, from the book of Joshua up at the Grove, and it's an awesome example of warriors uh, doing something in the Lord's army. And so Joshua and the Israelite warriors um, are going to conquer Jericho, and they just entered the promised land, promised 40 years before to Moses by God. And so Joshua, uh, as they come to Jericho, he sends in some spies, right? They gather some intelligence. This is war stuff. Okay, this is, this is exciting stuff. And the warriors gather intel, and they, they kind of find a safe house at a, at a home of a prostitute named Rahab. And they gather intel, and she protects them, and they go back and give the intelligence back to Joshua. And uh, this is where my mind was completely blown by this, by this scripture. I think I read it before, and I didn't really understand what was happening. So Joshua 5.13 through 15, Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. So this is is awesome. And Joshua fell down, and he worshipped. And if it was just an angel, the angel would have said, Hey, stand up. No, no, don't do this. But as he fell down and worshipped... This commander of the Lord's army says, by the way, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Okay, so this is Christophany. This is Jesus showing up on earth a thousand years before Jesus showed up on earth. How awesome is that? So what happens next next is the uh, Israelite warriors march around the city with the Ark of the Covenant. So that represents the presence of God. You know, and you have Jesus out front with the drawn sword, and they walk around the... uh, the walls of the city seven days in a row. And on the seventh day, they walk around seven times and they yell and they shout and they blow the trumpets and the walls come down and these warriors go in and they kill everybody and everything except for Rahab and her family because of their obedience. So this is punishment by God um, of the Canaanites and um, biblical warrior stuff. This is awesome. This is exciting. I love this stuff. Um, Jesus shows up with a drawn sword. Like, like what did he look like? I can, I, I, we've argued about this. I'm thinking Jason Statham is kind of like what I, you know, like he's just all t- ripped up and ready to, ready to go. Um, but this is, this is warriors for God working together and compelled to do all this stuff out of obedience. They were intentional, they were in, on mission, and they were purposeful with what they were doing. It doesn't sound like a very easy seven days for these guys. I think uh, if it were me, I'd much rather sleep in, nap, go to brunch, some mimosas maybe, you know, something like that. That would have been a more fun seven days. But these guys, they did the hard thing. They, they went and did the difficult thing. So to kick off today's talk, maybe seal quote number one, the only easy day was yesterday. So my conservative friends, they watch the news, right? And they are constantly in arms. Issues like gay marriage, abortion, the EPA, common restrooms, they get them all worked up and they're fired up and they look at the world around them and they think, what's going on? We're headed for destruction. My liberal friends watch the news and they're constantly up in arms. Issues like gay rights, abortion, the EPA, and common restrooms have them all fired up. 
they look at the world around them and they think, what's going on? We're headed for destruction. Right? So I just said the exact same thing. I put in liberal and conservative. Um, and it proves that no matter where you come down, the things of the world are tough. And there's an infinite amount of things for us to disagree about, right? I only bring this up um, to say that the world is really messy. And it's not easy. And people struggle with the same issues on both sides. The fact is, we're not supposed to like it here. We're not supposed to like it here. Why? Because the world, this world is meant to make us long for our true home in heaven. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden in Genesis 3, and the world changed. That's when it got lousy around this place. Okay, So if you want to um, eat now, you've got to work hard. Childbirth is painful, and the world is tough. We're not promised anything, so the only easy day was yesterday. So as Christ followers, we're called to love people that God loves and Jesus died for. We're supposed to love people that God loves and Jesus died for. That's a pretty inclusive description. That means we have to love everybody, right? So in the fellowship of believers, we have a tremendous opportunity. We can let God handle all the judgment stuff. And we can do the hard thing and set aside differences and focus on what we have in common. Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So let's continue to focus on the things we have in common. A rich and abundant life in the fellowship of Christ followers. We all have a common friend, and that's Jesus. So let's work as a team. Let's do life together. The only easy day was yesterday. Navy SEAL quote number two. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay, so in Navy SEAL training in Coronado, California, SEAL trainees are put through uh, terribly uncomfortable situations by their instructors. So the instructors order these guys down into the cold Pacific Ocean to get all wet. And then they say, go run up on the sand, the soft sand, and roll around. Head to toe, you look like a sugar cookie. Okay? It's just to make them uncomfortable. Get them, get them used to that. The other thing is, in SEAL training, they do all their training on the grinder. That's where they do their push-ups and sit-ups and their flutter kicks and all that stuff while they're getting sprayed down by, by a cold fire hose to make it really comfortable for them. And if they want to eat, the chow hall is about a mile away. So they all get in trucks and they drive. No. they got to run, Right? This is SEAL training. So you have to run a mile to eat, run a mile back. You want three square meals that day. You've got to run six miles just to eat before you do all the crazy Navy SEAL training that they have to do. So in fellowship, it's often uncomfortable at the beginning, right? We invite people we don't even know. We just met. And like, hey, you want to get some coffee? You want to go get some lunch? And come to my house and have a barbecue? That's a little uncomfortable. Because then... We end up going to like Bible study and all these people we just met, we don't know, and we start talking about our sin problem that we're dealing with. Ooh, that's uncomfortable. And then think about non-believers. Think about your neighbors, co-workers, people that are non-believers. We don't have that thing in common with them, so that's even more uncomfortable to, to uh, try to fellowship with these people. But think of all the friends that you guys have right now. You started somewhere, right? Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So fellowship doesn't just happen, right? This doesn't, it doesn't just fall in our lap. In this passage, it says we need to meet. And it actually says if you're not doing fellowship, that's a bad habit. When we got a break, we need teammates. And to do this, we've got to be comfortable being a little uncomfortable sometimes in starting these relationships. Which leads to Navy SEAL quote number three for today. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So SEALs train with live ammunition all the time. They just want to replicate what it's going to be like in war. And uh, uh, SEALs actually believe that if someone doesn't die in training occasionally, in training, not in war, just while they're training, it means they're not pushing it to the limit. They're not going as close to replicating a war scenario. That's pretty hardcore. (laughs) So in the war zone, when the bullets fly, you stop thinking and you start reacting quickly, right? The adrenaline's pumping, you're rushing around, and you have a fully loaded automatic weapon. It's going to be pretty easy to hurt a teammate or yourself. So fellowship is organic, and it starts with a handshake, and then there's coffee, and then there's a meal, and then maybe you get the families together. And stepping out in faith is really uncomfortable. But to earn rapport with these people, to hear about a job loss, or a drinking problem, or a gambling problem, or an ugly sin struggle, or abuse that happened, that is affecting how how things are going. To get to that place of psychological safety with these people where we can share and they can share with us, to get there, it takes devotion to fellowship. We have to be intentional and diligent and take a long-term approach. So um, with an eternal focus out of obedience, we're going to move from socializing, so talking about like the humidity, or it's, is it going to rain or is it not going to rain, right? Where's the best place to get a taco in Austin? Torchies, right? I thought I'd get it. Like, someone would jump in. Like, that's a rich and wonderful fellowship with uh, believers that um, when we move past socializing, we get to fellowship. And that's, that's where we get to do the real stuff. So with a non-believer, we don't just swing our Bibles and whack them in the head and hope they get some Jesus in them, right? That's not an effective method. I don't think it's worked before. Um, But the same rule here applies. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. Uh, It takes time and patience and intentionality to get uh, to a place where you have the rapport with someone to speak into their life or to share about Jesus. Navy SEAL quote number four is train like you fight. So there's 168 hours in the week, right? We all have work and some of us have school, um, hobbies, binging on TV series. Sleep, maybe. Um, and our 168 fill up really fast. Those hours go by. And I hear this all the time from folks. They're like, man, it's just crazy right now. I mean, like, once I get done, I get this new promotion at work. Or when I'm finally done with finals. You know, once I, once I you know, baseball season's done or whatever. You know, once, once stuff's done, that's, that's when I'm going to have some time. It's just crazy right now, though. You know, so I don't have time for, for getting in a community group or doing lunches or coffees. I'm just, it's, I'm running. It's crazy. A wise pearl I heard from Stephen three years ago. He said, and it stuck with me today. Like He said it, and I was just like, boom, this is awesome. Ready for this pearl? If you say you don't have time for Jesus, 
That's stupid. <laughs> I bet you guys can believe that he said that, right? <laughs> we have time for Netflix and Amazon Prime. We have time for Alamo Draft House. Do we have time for fellowship? Are we making time for fellowship and doing life with others? Because here's what happens. You have a baby, or you get sick, or a loved one dies, or you have surgery. Stuff happens. And when those big bad things happen to us, we need teammates. Right? Because when the battle comes, if we have a community around us, the battle gets so much easier. When we, when we have to fight, we have a bunch of buddies that have our backs. So my brother says this in business. He says, network before you need it. I don't know if someone else came up with it and he stole it. Or, but he says it a lot. And, it, and it's like about LinkedIn and having coffees and lunches and really connecting with people in business while things are good. While things are good, while the contract's going well or the job's going great and the paychecks are coming in. While you're, while you're, while you're doing well, keep networking. Because when the job loss happens or when the contract ends, when things get rough... If you're like, oh, I should probably have done some networking. I probably should have been connecting with people because now I need some help. And I think that you can perfectly apply this concept of fellowship. Because when the bullets start flying, you have a baby or something and life's rough, you know, who's going to bring the meal to you? When you're sick at home in bed and feeling lousy, who's going to bring a big thing of Gatorade and Panera's awesome chicken noodle soup? You know, who's going to bring that good stuff when you're, when you're struggling? Who's going to pick up the phone when you call just to listen to you cry or talk about your day? Who's going to go to a tough doctor appointment with you just to be there for you? So the CEO at my company, he says it like this. He says, train, don't try. Okay, so I could try to run a marathon today. I could try to do that. It would not go very well. It would, it would, be, it would be ugly. Now, I've run marathons before. I've done it. But that was at a time when I was putting in the training time. Four or five months before, you start ramping up, and you're running four or five days a week and doing your long runs and putting in the time, putting in the miles. Today, if I tried, it would be ugly. But if I was training, I could be ready. That would be different. So if we're training and we're practicing in the fellowship of believers, if we're on the team, we'll have, a fellow, uh, we'll have an army of fellow soldiers that have our backs in battle. And if you're going to train like you fight, maybe seal quote, uh, number five is big boy rules apply. Big boy rules apply. Okay, big kid, big kid rules apply. I'll be inclusive. Big boy rules apply. So uh, when the Navy SEALs make it into the teams, they don't need to be told what to do. They're on the team. They get their trident. They're on the team. They don't need to be told you need to run, you need to do push-ups, you need to do sit-ups, you need to maintain uh, a good fitness Big boy rules apply. They just make big goals together, and they challenge um, each other, and they, they meet these goals. Because they know when the fight comes, they need to be physically ready to handle whatever's going to happen. So um, nobody's going to get you out of bed to make you read your Bible, right? Nobody's going to make you have a wonderful prayer life. Big boy rules apply we got to do that stuff. Nobody's going to make us, uh, prompt us to schedule coffees and lunches with, in fellowship with people, right? Big boy rules apply. we got to reach out. To, hey, man, what are you doing this week? Let's get together. 
I work from home most days, and uh, it'd be really easy to slough off. You know, it'd be a really sweet couple of weeks. I could just do nothing and watch Prices Right and stuff. That'd be awesome. But if I did that long enough, I wouldn't have a job anymore. I wouldn't be able to afford the house. I wouldn't be able to have gas in the car, insurance for my kids, and food in the fridge. It would be like a really fun couple weeks, and then it would be not fun for a long time. So big boy rules apply for me. I have to get up and do some stuff every day to make sure that we have the house payment done and the car has gas and all that good stuff. Fellowship with others doesn't fall in our laps. It starts with us to make it happen. We have to be intentional. In other words, the more you sweat... Uh, this is Navy SEAL quote number six, by the way, Aaron. The more you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in war. So a life of obedience means that our time and our treasure and our talents are put in order of ultimate priority. Think about the last time a loved one died. Were you lonely? Did you have teammates? Think about the last big sin struggle that was so difficult. A big backpack of just messiness that you had to carry around on your back. Maybe that's today. But think about that time. Did you have teammates? A good bunch of teammates around you to lift you up and point you to Jesus? We had a guy who came to our church. He was broken and he was, he was uh, not in a great place uh, spiritually. Life was otherwise going okay. Um, and he came for about eight or nine months. He kept coming back. He kept coming into church. And I did get permission from him to tell this story. I'm not going to name his name, but I got permission. Um, so eight or nine months, he's coming to our church. And then the company that he worked for, they closed the doors, like overnight, middle of the night kind of thing. And it had, you know, it had been that situation where the paychecks were bouncing for a little while, and they were kind of paying late, and then the boss man's like, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're going to get you soon, just... Hang tight and wait. So it had, been, it had been a while since this guy had had a paycheck. And all of a sudden, boom, overnight, no job, no paycheck to look forward to. And he has two kids and he has a wife. Um, so he comes to me and he says, hey, man, how you doing? You know, and he, he couldn't hide it. He said, Todd, it's not good. We're about to get evicted from our house. I don't have any money for food for my kids, and I don't even know if I can call you this week because my cell phone, I think, is probably going to be shut off at any moment. So I reach out to my community group, our community, and I tell them what's going on with this guy. And some people, uh, they knew this guy as the guy who uh, had a really big heart and really good intentions, a big smile. Uh, some didn't know him all that well, but they saw his obedience of being at the Friday men's Bible study. Uh, others knew him as the guy who climbed up the tree to get the football out of the tree so the kids could play flyers up after church. Most folks knew him as the guy who showed up to church late every single Sunday. He always starts strolling with the coffee at least five late. <laughs> but he always showed up, right? He always came. He was there. He brought his family. He brought his wife who is still on the fence about the whole Jesus thing. But he, he kept showing up. So when I mentioned that this guy was struggling, what did the community do? When I reached out to this, this community that we have up, up there, $50 HEB gift card started getting, you know, people leave it under my mat at my house. Say, hey, I, I don't want them to know it's from me, but I, I want to give. I want to help so he can get some gas in the car and some groceries for his kids. And other people started showing up at my house with cashier's checks and money orders and stuff. 
and we made a deal with the local apartment complex that cost about half as much as his house to get him into a new apartment. Uh, we paid the first couple months of his rent and got the deposit and all that stuff squared away so that he'd have some time to ramp up. So we had some, some gift cards and stuff for gas and food, and he had rent covered for a few months to get a job. He got a fresh start, and now um, it's kind of awesome. He called me a couple weeks ago, and he's like, okay, uh, I got a great new job, and now I'm making some pretty decent money. And so he goes, I want you to put me on your list of people that when there's, there's help that's needed, that you'll call me now, because I would love to give what, I, give what I was given. When you put some sweat into creating community out of obedience, you have teammates when the war comes. The more you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in war. Seal quote seven, be someone special. This speaks to how we live, our time and our treasure and our talents. Do we give with an open hand? It's God's. He's richly blessed us, right? Do we get to use our resources and give and be the hand and feet of Jesus? So people talk about the dash on the tombstone. I don't know if you guys have heard this this thing before. But there's your name, and then there's the date you were born, and there's the date you died, and then there's the dash in the middle. And it's just a little dash, but it represents your body of work, what you've done in that time that you're given uh, here on earth. God gave us a brain. He gave us talent and skills and resources. And what we do in our dash is what makes us different. So if you've accepted the gift that God has given you by giving yourself over to uh, the life of joy and abundance in God, then you're a child of the King. In Psalm 23, it says, You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. So we deserve death and hell because of our sins. And it's a good thing we don't get what we deserve because he washed it all away. It's all gone. So now what? We sit at the king's table. We're children of the king. How are we doing with our dash? Be someone special. In fellowship, be the best listener that you know. We should be generous givers, a light in a dark world. Be a special teammate who prays and loves and serves and gives really, really well. Because at some point, people are going to gather in a room somewhere. There's going to be flowers, a picture of you, and a microphone probably. Those three things. And people are going to talk about your dash. What are they going to say? I really hope they say stuff like, Todd really loved Jesus. Todd smelled like Jesus. Todd did Jesus stuff. Things that probably Jesus would have done, Todd did that stuff. I hope they say that. I really hope so. How do we get there, though? Seal quote number eight. Don't run to your death. Don't run to your death. Seals say this because if you're not present and methodical and intentional, With what you do, you can get into a bad situation really quickly. You can run without thinking and get into a trap or an ambush, and you can get yourself killed for being stupid. How does this apply to fellowship? We need to be present with the people who are in our midst. We need to be present with people. Don't rush. Don't run to your death. 
I've told this story up at the Grove before, but I feel like it's going to work here, so I'm going to tell it again. So a well-loved friend of our family 20 years ago was out for a morning jog on a Sunday. She's out jogging before church. She's on a run, and the neighbor tries to stop her to have a chat. Joanne is the neighbor. And uh, this friend is like, church is going to start soon. i got to keep running. i got to keep moving. i got to get the shower and get my Sunday best on, and get the family in the car, and get everybody there on time. Right? Sounds good. Got to make it to church on time. Unfortunately, what I didn't tell you about Joanne, this lady is in her 30s. She had two small kids, and her husband had just died of a massive heart attack at 37. And so as this friend gets to church that morning on time, sits down in the pew, oh no, I just missed the boat. I missed it completely. I missed church when I made it to church on time. How many people are in our midst who need us to listen to them and just hear what's going on, to be present? Navy SEAL fellowship means as much as possible we are present with people in our midst. We've got to be on the lookout for the listen-fors and the look-fors, okay? Um, so you see puffy eyes, you see tears. These are the obvious look-fors, okay? You see, see that stuff? That's a cue. Maybe you should respond. Um, and then there's the listen fors that may be a little more subtle. You got the coffee pot, you're a community group, or you're hanging out, you're like, hey man, what's going on? How was your week? It was okay. Glad it's the weekend. Ooh. Maybe you should Okay, great, have a good week. <laughs> All right, bro, sounds good. Make sure to keep the people that heard you when you never said a word. Because we run past the neighbor, we run to commitments, we run to work and home, and we got to get a good seat, and time goes by, right? Don't run to your death means don't allow ourselves to miss the fellowship. Don't miss out. Because time keeps ticking, and there's a tremendous opportunity to have a rich and fulfilling life of fellowship in the community of believers. So don't run to your death. Navy SEAL quote number nine. Never leave your swim buddy. Never leave your swim buddy. So in the SEALs, you're assigned a swim buddy. Okay, And uh, this is the guy. It's a mutual responsibility for the two of you uh, to make sure that someone's beside you all the time, keeping you safe, helping you come over, go over obstacles, and keeping you from drowning. Like literally. So application for fellowship is twofold. So if we have Jesus in our heart, are we praying to him? Are we thanking him for the, for the life that we have? Are we reading our Bibles to learn about how we should live and how we should act? Unfortunately, what we do sometimes is we build walls between us and Jesus, right? We build those walls up. The job's busy. Kids make things hectic. Hobbies are a pleasant distraction. And there's some walls there between us and Jesus. The second um, application is fellowship with others. So we need strong relationships, intimate relationships. So the one where you have that with like a spouse or uh, like a friend or a pastor or counselor, maybe a sibling. Uh, but we need another Christ follower uh, that we can kind of show, here's my ugly. And they can say, here's my ugly. And we can feel safe to share that with these folks. 
The most important thing, though, and this is critical, is that when we pick these people, we need to have our swim buddy be somebody who will always point us back to Jesus. They always point us back to Jesus. We need to separate. Because there's friends and family members that we socialize with, right? And we do need to build relationships with these people. We need to point them to Jesus with our lives. But then there's the swim buddies. And this is the people that will point you to Jesus when you're hurting and we don't know what to do. Navy SEAL fellowship is the kind of fellowship where we have fellowship with Jesus and our swim buddies. We have an inner circle where we can trust and love and pray and eat and feel safe and ask for help when we need it. And finally, Navy SEAL quote number 10, it pays to be a winner. It pays to be a winner. So SEALs use competitions, foot races, boat races, and they they use these competitions to push each other to be the best. They push each other. In the fellowship of believers, it pays to be a winner. Because when we stay close to our swim buddies and we're committed to participation and fellowship, others will see the rich and full and good life that we have in this community of believers and they're going to want what we have. Everyone benefits from and feeds off of that. We're winners because we have teammates that are going to help us along the way. It pays to be a winner because we get to look forward to eternal life. Right? So I'm going to close by encouraging you, uh, whether you're just visiting today or you're in a community group already, get in a community group. Check the website, austinchapel.org. Go to the website. It'll show the time and locations of community groups. I'd encourage you, because God created a will inside of all of us to be in fellowship with Him and fellowship with each other. There's a yearning that He built inside of us. That's part of God's will for your life. And it may seem a little awkward when you're looking at the website. You're like, should I go to this guy's house? I don't really know him. You know? Just remember... The most important thing is you have something in common with every person who's going to be there. If they love Jesus, well, then you're on the same team as those, those folks, right? Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this gathering. Lord, um, thank you for this morning. We, I pray for each person in this room right now, Lord, and I pray that each of them will press closer to you and that they'll build a team around them that will point them to Jesus when times are tough. And Lord, as we go about our week, help us be intentional about reaching out to other people and connecting. And help us, Lord, to be present with the people in our midst. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.